Oh, we got so much to say about this one. Mm-hmm. This is going to be... I think this is going to be a long one. So it'll be a girthy one, I feel. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Let's, let's, <laughs> <laughs> it's ten past eleven, Amy. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Naomi. Hey, Bex. What do you call an elf wearing earmuffs? I don't know. What do you call an elf wearing earmuffs? Whatever you want, he can't hear you. <laughs> I do appreciate like the amount of effort you're putting into these jokes. They're I've, really I've good. Just, there's a lot. There's so many. There's a lot that are not deemed good enough. Like that. This is the thing. Is like you have to think if this is the quality that I'm giving out. What trash am I possibly rejecting? Oh, I can't wait to find out and share with the world what there are things you're hiding. <laughs> That sounded more sinister than many times, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we do the thing? I think so. Okay. Welcome Welcome to Jingle Bells. I'm Bex. And I'm Naomi. And we're here to talk about Christmas movies. Yeah, because it's Christmas every day at Jingle Bells, and we have a really good one lined up for you today. Oh, happy Christmas. Thank you, MPCA. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Today we are talking about Netflix's latest original release with MPCA, A Castle for Christmas, and we're very excited. Yes. Yes. Uh, So yeah, this is uh, another Netflix classic. Mm -hmm. We did hope that this would tie into the Netflix Christmas (laughs) Vanessa Hudgens universe, whatever you you prefer to call it, mm-hmm. uh, and and it does. We will get into all of the details uh, again. <laughs> uh, Naomi and I have not yet spoken about this movie. We no. had a very brief <laughs> two minute ramble before we started recording. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say this now: there is absolutely no way we're gonna talk about this movie mm-hmm. in order. It is really good, so mm-hmm. you should go watch it and then come and listen to the podcast. There is your disclaimer. You are welcome. (laughs) We're going to take you on a wild ramble for sure. For one, this is set in our homeland of Scotland. You know, so we've we've got a lot of feels about it. A lot of feels. Yeah. Um, But without further ado, I suppose we do some synopsis stuff. Yeah. Synopsis time. <laughs> Do you like my Daft Punk? <laughs> Excellent. Good. I'm glad you Thanks. said it because poor Jingle Boys have yeah, no time just, finding all yeah, these. Yeah, I was just going to like <laughs> let him just put that in the edit. There you go. You're welcome, Jingle Boy. Thank, thank you, Jingle Boy, for making me sound not as terrible. Um, all right. Without further ado, A Castle for Christmas is about a famed American author, Sophie Brown, who travels to Scotland and finds herself wanting to buy a castle. But the prickly owner, a Scottish uh, Scottish duke named Miles, is reluctant to sell to a foreigner. Now, I already have some problems with the synopsis because it sounds it's real not. xenophobic. Um, it's not. <laughs> like, yeah, it, this is not no, accurate. It's not accurate. Um, yeah, so the film does, like, the synopsis makes the film sound 
teensy, teensy tiny bit more uh, biased than that actually is. He doesn't want to sell the castle because he thinks that she just wants a title, not because she's an American. Secondly, it's his ancestral home, which he's been fighting to keep for years after his dad has squandered their fortune. So initially, the premise of this film is not what the synopsis has told us it is anyway. So the reason that Sophie is actually in Scotland is because she's had a meltdown on Drew Barrymore's talk show after people hate her book. Like they hate her book. In fact, to the point where they hate her. And it's just really weird. So anyway, after this meltdown, she decides to go take a breather in Scotland and take the trip that she was meant to take with her father before he passed away. Um, She goes to Dundumbar to get back to her roots as her family were also the castle's groundskeepers once upon a time. Slowly but surely, Miles starts to come round and understands that her motivations aren't what he thinks. Um, They both... (laughs) as always in these films, discovered the true meaning of Christmas and love with a few hiccups along the way. Yeah, that's a much better synopsis of this movie. Well done. (laughs) 10 out of 10. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, Oh, I I really like this movie. I think, yeah, the first synopsis they give uh, really undersells it, actually. Mm -hmm. I think it, it doesn't do a good job of reflecting and it's, yeah, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. The cast is much more, much more of a, a sort of older cast than we mm-hmm. typically see in these movies. But they were all very kind of age appropriate within each other. Yeah. I don't think anyone was bad in any way. They had a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, I I was very happy. I mm-hmm. wish they'd cast some Scottish people to play Scottish people, but <laughs> their accents oh, were you? pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Their accents were pretty good. So uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. Should we should we talk about the, oh, the 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 who's who of who's not in these Christmas movies? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, firstly, I'll, I'll just say I also agree with you. Like, I really enjoyed the fact that it was a middle aged love story centering a different kind of love. Like, that was really nice to see. Everybody was age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably should have cast some Scottish actors. It's not like we're short in talent in this country. Um, to be honest, not to brag. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, the accents were the thing that I had the least problem with. And I thought that Carrie Ellsworth did really well with his accent for the pretty much the whole time. Um, But she rolls us nicely into who's who in this film. So Carrie Ellsworth is Miles, who is the Duke. Um, He is most famously Wesley in The Princess Bride. Um, He's also been in Saw and New Year's Eve, which we reviewed last season. Um, You could catch up with that episode, you know, by finding us where you find your podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Check out our last episode of New Year's Eve, where we talk about New Year's Eve. I kind of blocked that movie from my memory. <laughs> Who was he in New Year's Eve? He was the doctor um, that worked with Halle Berry. He was the doctor who worked with Halle Berry. Okay, so, sorry. I'm, I'm up to date. Yeah, I'm glad that you told me. Thank you. I was like, because I saw that in your... Cause, and spoiler alert, Naomi does all the research for this podcast. So I saw that you put that he was in New Year's Eve, which we reviewed last year. And number one, I forgot that we reviewed that movie because I hated it. Um, and number two, I was like, I really can't place who. I was like, who was he? Mm-hmm. What was it? Did he play the guy? And then I was like, no, that was actually him. Yeah. Why was... Uh, no, he wasn't yeah. John Bon Jovi. No, no, no. He was, yeah. he was oh, just yes, a doctor. Oh, yes, was John Bon Jovi. <laughs> just, just a doctor. Anyway... Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, he plays the Duke mm-hmm. Miles, the yep. Duke of Dun of Dunbar. Yep, of Dun Dunbar. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then we have Brooke Shields, uh, legend that she is as Sophie, 
She has been in so many things anyway, um, but she was Riverfields in Jane the Virgin, she's been in Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, Scream Queens, Lipstick Jungle, and Hannah Montana. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's also very famous for uttering the sexy tagline in her Calvin Klein ad, want to know what comes between me and my Calvins? Nothing. Um, which sets us up very nicely for the amount of uh, chemistry we have in this film. I yeah. was very, very pleased to clock who this was. Uh, Desiree Birch is Claire, Sophie's agent in this film. Right. But it yeah. took me ages because I was like, I know that voice. I know that voice. I don't know who it is yet. I don't know who it is yet. And then eventually I went, oh my God, she's the narrator of Too Hot to Handle, which is like <laughs> Netflix's own Love Island Love Island equivalent. Thing. Yeah. Um, which is wild if you ever get a chance to watch that. Um Sort of of note as well, kind of going back to Brooke Shields, sorry, probably should have done this in the correct order. Um, Fun fact, Brooke Shields is an executive producer on A Castle of Christmas, joining the great tradition of Netflix stars producing their own stuff, just like our queen, Vanessa Hudgens. Vanessa Hudgens. (laughs) Yay, we got her in. We did, we did. Had to talk about her in the movie. Yeah, I mean, she's done a lot of production, so, you know. Yeah, 100%. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, oh well that's yeah. very nice um there were some other actors and uh who i recognized i didn't research yeah. any of their names because obviously but it's <laughs> again it's like a lot of the you know i looked up a lot of people and i was mm-hmm. like oh yeah casualty the bill yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like fairly yeah. the fairly generic what most actors in these kind of movies their repertoire have with a few yeah. other things and in, in sprinkled in there so uh-huh. yeah i really enjoyed it brick shields i thought was great mm-hmm. um carrie Elwes Elwes was also very cool (laughs) they had a lot of chemistry it was uh they did yeah it was definitely more mature than the like cutesy Mm hand-holding-y Christmas movies that we normally get yeah um so let's let's get into it um with uh obviously no you did the Christmas tree count this time well okay right I'm gonna disclaimer this I was very aware that I needed to do the Christmas tree count at one point and then I got into the film and I was like oh there are still leaves on these trees it's summer cool that's fine and then before I knew it it was Christmas and I had forgotten to count the trees until I texted (laughs) you and I was like please tell me that you'd actually counted the trees no but anyway so like yeah through the first half of the film it's summer and then it's autumn and then Christmas really kicks off when they go and get their tree um from around that time i would say it's very easy that we get to about 50 trees at one hour and 10 minutes um yeah i wasn't able to count much more than that so like at one point they pan out and there's like five trees in a room a la the the princess switch and then another yeah. scene where they're standing outside of the hotel and there's like 10 trees outside the hotel yeah so it's christmas eventually it's yeah. christmas <laughs> yeah i mean normally we like to start christmas a lot earlier in our in our christmas movies um but in this one particularly it it did kind of lead up i mean it was for three months up to the season so like yeah. she got there in you know october september time mm-hmm. so there's not going to be christmas trees kicking around then because we no. don't live there uh, obviously <laughs> if we live there then maybe christmas trees a lot earlier but mm-hmm. you know for for most people but it was still there was still an abundance of uh christmas mm-hmm. festivities when it did get to christmas and mm-hmm. um, the place was beautifully decorated there were lights oh, yeah. everywhere um they had fancy ribbons and mm-hmm. massive baubles and all sorts and they did a lot of uh you know variety of active of 
of activities, but mm-hmm. particularly they had they have the Christmas Eve ball. Yeah. The arbitrary Christmas deadline was to get everything ready for the Christmas Eve ball. <laughs> um, he was, you know, the, initially he, so she's trying to buy this castle. Uh, he has no money because his dad, the ex-Duke, squandered it all. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so she's trying to buy the castle because of her family connection there with her dad uh, and her grandfather previously being the groundkeepers mm-hmm. and her maiden name being McGinty, which yes. uh, is cool. Uh, so really, mm-hmm. that was a nice touch, I thought, to just like insert her some Scottish heritage mm-hmm. through that. Um, but yeah, so they their arbitrary Christmas deadline is yeah. this. Uh, he thinks he's going to scare her out of the castle <laughs> and then he'll get to keep the non-refundable deposit mm-hmm. and uh, that will help them a little bit with their money problems yeah. because he just, he assumes that she's some uppity American. She's not going to like dealing with the cold and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. And that's, that's going to be it. So. No, but she's tougher than that. Um, yeah. You know, like she's are, determined. Yeah, we're timeline through this quite nicely. Um, you know, at one point Miles mentions that she's stuck around for forty-two days, so like I think that's about halfway through. Um, and then, you know, uh, Sophie herself is like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I want this castle. It's my castle now." Um, you know, I imagine she's put yeah. in a pretty hefty deposit. To be fair, so you wouldn't want to be walking away from it that easily. Yeah, that's um, true. Although, to be fair, like they mention this throughout the film, like over and over again, until they have their very unnecessary conflict which we will touch on later um yeah and she's like yeah do you know what i'm done like i'm not even bothered about the castle i want to share the castle with you in the end but you're being such an idiot that i will walk away from my hefty deposit yeah you idiot <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it was it was nicely balanced um they did a lot of like character building and also a lot of relationship building in this which didn't feel forced um it felt really nice so for example like Sophie's knitting circle I loved that the fact that she had friends and like because it would have been very easy and very classic Christmas film if they made her an outsider and like she'd fallen into a pile of like manure or she'd you know fallen down a well or something like that and like nobody had helped her they just made fun of her instead but they didn't do that they gave her friends they gave her real relationships they gave her a real nice soul-searching journey and for me I wonder how much Brooke Shields put into that and how much she was like well I don't want her to be an idiot I don't want her to be an outsider I want to be like a nice welcoming community I imagine the writers had more to do with that than Brooke but like the way that it was played you know it's it's really nicely done yeah, I noticed this as well because they mm-hmm. never really give them any meaningful friends in no. Christmas movies. They have like, you know, the token best friend or the sister or the whatever, but they don't really spend yeah. a lot of time with them. They just spend a lot of time with like the love interest and mm-hmm. that's kind of it. But obviously this was over a longer period. Yeah. She was developing, you know, it was clearly about she she was she was in the US. She'd written mm-hmm. her book and she killed off a character in her book. And everyone mm-hmm. was like horrendously upset with her mm-hmm. and were like, Why did you have to kill him off? And she was like, Well, he's his fiction. It's not yeah. real. It's fine. <laughs> Every like, they couldn't get over that. They were like freaking out. And you know, like that does happen in like movies and stuff. If they kill off someone's favorite character, they're gonna be upset about it. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bigger conversation there about separating the art from the artist that mm-hmm. we're not gonna get into today, but it's a <laughs> topic that's been discussed many, many uh, times throughout the years. Um mm-hmm. 
you know, and also she, I mean, she has a meltdown on the Drew Barrymore show, which is the funniest thing in the world to yeah. me because I didn't know that Drew, I was like, you got Drew Barrymore in to play herself. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Love this. Um, and, uh, and she decides, you know, it's time to go away. And everyone in her home is kind of discouraging of her leaving to mm-hmm. go to Scotland. Her agent's a bit like, you know, oh, we've been friends, but also you mm-hmm. need to do a job. And her daughter is fairly supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we're, you know, appropriately skeptical mm-hmm. uh, about everything. And as soon as she gets to Scotland, they're like, oh, I've read all your books. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, yeah, well, hmm. and they're like, oh, I'm really glad you killed off that guy. Yeah. And I was like, that is such a Scottish, <laughs> Scottish thing. I don't know why, like, but it just seems a lot more, like, Scottish to mm-hmm. me than they, they, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we don't know anything about Winston, so I could just be associating stuff with that. But yeah. also, I just feel like, yeah, if he was a sod which is what they kept calling him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It kind of like reestablished that this was a good idea immediately. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She's like being, having, you know, people are hating on her Mm -hmm. for the work that she's spent her life doing in the US. And then she comes to this place where she thinks that maybe she might find some connection Mm -hmm. and immediately gets connection with like a group of people who are super welcoming and they're the little knitters and Mm -hmm. they do knitting and they like make loads that they do. Uh, knit, knitting graffiti around the town which is something I have seen in Edinburgh sometimes mm-hmm. on the top of uh, post boxes and they're really cute like that little crew is is adorable mm-hmm. they, they are very very cute like the yarn bombing was a really nice touch because when she drives oh, into okay. the village and they have all the bunting out I'm like villages don't look like that here it's too windy and wet we don't keep bunting up past like the one day that we need it a year um yeah gala day <laughs> gala day yeah uh, if you're not sure what gala day is please do come to scotland promise you'll have a great time um anyway yeah so it's really nice to see her actually take part in village life um i mean it does bump up a notch a little bit anyway because she arrives in the village she finds these friends she does make this connection and she doesn't feel out of place because they're like yeah you should have killed him he was awful um which is great but when she puts the offer down on the castle miles then goes and makes demands of her and tells her that she needs to move into the castle she has to live there for the full three months of escrow which you know ends on christmas so we we have our other deadline hooray um and you know all all of this stuff happens but (sighs) she still manages to maintain that village life despite living in the castle and somehow she actually builds a stronger community by living through this adversity which is obviously what it is for because he puts her in this shitty leaky wallpaper like peeling no places to store her clothes room and do you know what she toughs it out she goes for it she does um that yeah. first night where she where she sleeps there the first night and then she wakes up and she's got a woolly hat and a coat yeah. on and a scarf <laughs> on and everything i was like they clearly listened to our podcast last year when we were complaining about people being inappropriately dressed for scottish weather <laughs> yeah. and they they that is you know and and i think mm-hmm. yeah they <laughs> i was just very glad i was like yeah that's what you would if you're at a scottish castle yeah that's gonna be cold mm-hmm. if there is no heat in that's gonna be really cold mm-hmm that's Six how you sleep. What's <laughs> the irony of that, though, is that they go outside on that horse ride, and she's better dressed for the weather in the bedroom than she is on the horse she ride. On the horse. I'm like, yeah. what? What is this? Um, but like, yeah, there was no one's costumes were out of places. That's the thing. 
Um, a lot of people are in kilts through this film. One person is in a kilt the whole time, uh, Thomas, time. who is the Duke's like aide, I think. It was never yeah. really discussed what his title actually was. But anyway, he lives in the house, he works in the house, whatever. But he's in a kilt the whole time. Very rare do I find that I know people that wear kilts all the time. Um, but none of them were over the top. None of them were tatty. They all looked like genuine tartan, which I really appreciated because there's a lot of mm-hmm. Scottish films where you're like, you've just strapped a tartan towel around someone. What's that yeah. all about? Yeah. They looked properly structured like a kilt. They hung in the way that a kilt would hang. He was wearing appropriate like socks and footwear with them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And like, you know, I'm sure there are some people who just wear kilts mm-hmm. all the time. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not very necessarily common in the cities and stuff, mm-hmm. but maybe for some people they just love a kilt. I mean, yeah. lots of our pals love kilts. They love wearing kilts. So. They do, yeah. I mean, a kilt is, is a gorgeous thing and also it's pretty warm. Like, I have it, my own like tartan sash as well. And it's teeny tiny and really thin, but I wrap it around myself and somehow it's still really warm, probably because mm-hmm. it's wool. But anyway, like, <laughs> um, we've gone so off track. Oh yeah. my God. Actually, there is a thing. When you're saying about the, the mother-daughter relationship and stuff, yes, her daughter is appropriately sceptical about her trip to Scotland. But what I really, mm-hmm. really liked and so rare in Christmas films is they actually seem to have a healthy relationship. Yeah, and the daughter wasn't just there to be like oh mom you need to meet someone like mm-hmm. you know what I mean there wasn't the there was a nice subtle nod although I mean it's a Christmas movie called The Castle for Christmas and it's a rom-com yeah we know they're gonna get together at the end that mm-hmm. is not a surprise for anyone that is not a spoiler <laughs> that is just how it's gonna like you know you go in knowing that already and it's just yeah. about the journey along the way so like when we have these other movies that we've watched Mm-hmm. a la happiest christmas or review to come out soon mm-hmm. um the mums and, and holiday and things like that where the mums mm-hmm. are literally just there to facilitate the romantic life of their daughter and yeah it's just like bleak um but in this it's more about like the daughter is obviously you know mm-hmm. she's aware that the divorce was gonna have been difficult she's off doing her mm-hmm. own thing the mum is supportive of her doing her own thing mm-hmm. but they still have like a mutual respect and understanding, which mm-hmm. is definitely prevalent in a lot of actual relationships between yeah. parents and their children and their grown up children. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I really liked it. Lexi, I think, was the the name of her daughter. Yes. At the end of the movie, she shows up to surprise her, and it's really cute. And they yeah. have like, a little hot chocolate cozy moment together, and it's very sweet. And I liked it a lot. It's nice. Like they do intersperse the the calls with the daughter quite nicely. They're very natural. Like. Yeah, it's just an actual... I think the whole film, because all of the characters managed to get this to some extent, like some more than others, but they're all pretty well-rounded and they're all actually like 3D people as opposed to these Mm -hmm. 2D representations where they're like, yeah, you go get some girl or like, you know, all of this kind of stuff. No one is forcing them into being in a relationship. You know, there's, there's some speculation, there's some innuendo from a few people every now and then, but every single one of the characters with a romantic storyline gets that um because Maisie who is the B&B owner part of Sophie's knitting circle you know she has her own little love story with Thomas in fact they they talk about the fact that Maisie's also divorced as well you know there's a whole range of different relationships and different representations of relationships which Mm -hmm. actually can we please talk about him I loved Angus so much his story was so sad 
It was like literally heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. He doesn't. Angus um, was very sweet. Yeah. He was the the gentleman in the knitting circle Mm -hmm. and a a bit of a gentle giant. And he didn't really, he just didn't talk. Yeah. He hadn't spoken since his husband had passed away, which is like really, really sad. Yeah. Um, But he was still like present Mm -hmm. and supportive and had Mm -hmm. personality and a bit of like something about him. Yeah. Even though he had like very little to say and when mm-hmm. he did have a line to say you it, know it, tore it me was, apart it literally you know it's i can't even remember what the line was 100 percent. i should have written said down, but it was never a mistake to love someone to love someone yeah and that was like his basically mm-hmm. his only line of the film yeah and it was but yeah. it was so and he, and it, sweet it felt so meaningful mm-hmm. because of the fact he didn't have any lines and the way that his character was kind of set up to be yeah yeah. He did sing though, which I was very surprised at when they did the carols and I was like, he's singing. Oh my God. Is this the moment where he starts yeah. talking? And then it, it wasn't. But like Angus's story is really sweet. It's really sad because yeah, his husband passed away, but his husband had been a member of the knitting circle before Angus. Um, and then yeah. after his death, Angus joined and he'd just always been there in that comforting space. And Nobody was judgmental because that was the thing. When he came up initially, I had a horrible feeling that they could have portrayed Sophie one of two ways. I thought that that was the moment where she was going to end up making herself an outsider because I thought she was going to say the wrong thing. But what I was pleasantly surprised about is that she actually was just like, oh, okay. And like nobody really bad an eyelid. It was just stated as fact, taken as it was and moved on from and just accepted. And I think that's what Netflix has done really well in this film is that they're just Mm. letting people be people and they're giving more accurate portrayals of how people actually live their lives. Like there's still obviously fantastical movie elements and all of this and stuff, but it's it's a Christmas movie. There's always going to be yeah, that. There's always going to be a bit. Mm-hmm. It's about when they do do these representative moments and they do have these like, you know, grief is such a personal thing mm-hmm. and everyone experiences it differently. Um, it's it's very nice that they've done that in a way yeah. where everyone is very respect. Like the, it's also nice that there is a, an LGBT character yeah. and no one's like, oh, his husband, Ooh. Mm-hmm. like it's a bit, mm-hmm. you know, they just go, his husband passed away. He hasn't spoken since and that's mm-hmm. it. It's not, not a case of like you know they're they're not pressuring him into talking mm-hmm. they're not trying you know they they're including him yeah ha- as he wishes to be included mm-hmm. like and that's and they're entirely respectful of that mm-hmm. and they're and that's it and it's just yeah. about the company the present moment and the company they have not about their past not mm-hmm. about the speculative future that they could have just mm-hmm. they're living their life and doing their thing and yeah. i i like that a lot i think it's very very sweet yeah, it was really refreshing because that is it. Like all of the films that we review is somehow like forcing people into positions that they shouldn't necessarily yeah. be in. But anyway, I suppose, seeing as we've already kind of hinted at it, we should really talk about this Scotland stuff because I do have some questions about the geography okay. of this film. Um... <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so Dunbar <laughs> is... And the actual Dunbar, I don't know whether there is a castle Dun Dunbar or a place that is Dun Dunbar, but the actual Dunbar is like, mm-hmm. n- like North Berwick way. It's in part, it's in Peeblesshire or something, isn't it? What, down, down south, yeah, probably more that yeah. direction. I think Dun Dunbar, because it's filmed at Dalmeny House, if I'm correct. Oh, yeah, Dalmeny House venue. near Edinburgh. Um, 
Yeah, South Queensferry. Yeah, so it's filmed there. So it's not in the north, it's not in Aberdeen, as we're kind of told in the film anyway. Um, like, yeah, I don't think Dundamar Do itself it's is actually real. Yeah, they say that, because he, he takes her out on a drive around Aberdeenshire and he's like, there's loads of property, it's really cheap in Aberdeenshire because there's, let me try and get this right, 3,000 castles in Scotland, most of them are like, you know, being sold and stuff um, at the moment or they're in disrepair. It's a very sad state of affairs. If you want to learn more about it, I would go and look at Historic Scotland. They'll have more information and more accurate information than we do. Um, But yes, so I think Dunbar is fictional, but it's fictionally set in Aberdeenshire, which is why I have a lot of questions, because at one point, as Sophie is trying to leave uh, Dunbar, she's like, oh, it's only two hours to Edinburgh. And I'm like, if you're in Aberdeenshire, it's definitely not two hours to Edinburgh, Sophie. like what? it was going to be where their actual Dunbar is. And I was like, well, that's not two hours to Edinburgh either. No, but it's it's in it says or is kind of thing that it is in Aberdeenshire. Having said that, as she's driving out of Edinburgh to get there in the first place, I am sure they go through like five different villages to make this one village. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, they have to have the rural esque mm-hmm. village, but they can't show what a village actually looks like. Yeah. Like that's the thing. She was like, "I'm gonna go get hidden away in Scotland." I was like, "We have internet. Like, I don't know what you. We don't live in the past. Like." <laughs> well, you know. yeah, you know, given the disrepair of that castle, I'd forgive her for thinking that we lived in the past. Yeah, it's like, um, oh yeah, we live in the past. <laughs> Everyone, all we do is sit around in the pub and knit. That's it. Yeah. No one has a phone. No one does anything else. It's like, no, okay, sure. I mean, like, I get it. It's that kind of yeah. village life. That's what they're trying to sort of portray: is this sort of small local community that comes mm-hmm. together to to do things and live off the land and whatever yeah um yeah i was i was a bit like it's not hidden away like scotland's a massive country we have like a lot of people live here (laughs) yeah a lot of people also visit here now to be fair Um, yeah speaking of visiting scotland can we can we get can we just talk about it can we just talk about it very briefly you don't want to talk about the subtitles can we go back to the subtitles? I have to mention it. I have to mention it. Yeah. Okay. Because right. I literally sent you a voice message as soon <laughs> as it just... happened. <laughs> I know. Frank and Mrs. Donatelli are there. They just they just yeah. show up for a romantic Christmas getaway. In so Dun is Dun Frank Bar. Mr. Donatelli? <laughs> like, Ooh. what's happening? Because she's Mrs. Donatelli, yeah. right? She's always been Mrs. Donatelli. And there's no mm-hmm. establishment about who her background is. Sorry, mm-hmm. Frank and Mrs. Donatelli are both from The Princess Switch. Yes. Mm-hmm. There we go. This is our mm-hmm. tie-in with the Netflix cinematic universe that yeah. we didn't... Ne- the, this was the only tie-in with this film that I could see with the wider yes. Netflix Christmas cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. And it's just Frank and Mrs. Donatelli happen to show up at the same inn mm-hmm. uh, for a romantic weekend package. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Did you, so say, did you say that on purpose? <laughs> what? That Mrs. Donatelli's getting a nice package? Yes. Um, sorry. Wee. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so they show up, which honestly, like, it was really funny. So you messaged me in the middle of me watching the film as well. But I was like, I think I was about 20 minutes behind you. <laughs> so I was sitting for 20 minutes. But I was like, don't know what this is going to be. 
don't know what it is. At one point, I freaked out and I was like, hold the fucking phone because they were decorating trees and I thought Maisie had an acorn in her hand, but she didn't. And I was so yeah. disappointed. Like I got up, I spr- like leapt at the laptop, paused it, went back and I was like, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, damn it, it's just a bobble. Because, like, I also really appreciated the fact that Miles had hand-whittled his own sheep ornament oh, for yes. the tree. Great, <laughs> classic royal whittling. <laughs> Mandatory. Is that, like, part of royal training? Like, how to cross your legs, how to whittle something? Like, I don't yeah. really... <laughs> well, we've said for ages there's princess school, right, where yeah, all the princesses go. Well, clearly there's prince school and duke school and earl school as well, and they mm-hmm. all go and learn how to whittle. They do, they do. And ride horses. They have to. <laughs> and talk in an English accent, regardless of where they're from. Actually, to be fair, that was a really good line. When Duke, mm-hmm. she was like, I thought dukes were meant to be gentlemen. And he was like, aye, that's English dukes. I was like, ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was it's so really good. good. But yeah, anyway. so um, Frank and Mrs. Donatelli's appearance obviously confirms that A Castle of Christmas is part of the Netflix Christmas universe. And yes, do you know what? We're going to have another Netflix Cinematic Universe episode this season because why not? Why yeah. the fuck not? There's a lot of conspiracy. I'm going to yeah. yeah, I'm gonna come up with some more conspiracy theories. I'm going to have a... Mm-hmm. I might rewatch all of the movies in the Netflix Ooh. Christmas Cinematic Universe <laughs> that we haven't already watched this year. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was going to say so many now. It's so, so it many. quite a lot. Maybe I went all, but then I'd have to watch The Christmas Prince 2 again. No, you can just I'll listen watch some to some of them. Like, I'll just, watch some of them. Just listen to our episode again; it'll be fine. Yeah, um, that's true. Okay, sorry, sorry guys, we I interrupted your again. Scottish chat. It doesn't matter. We warned them; it's fine. Yeah. We did, right. I interrupted your Scottish chat to talk subtitles. about subtitles. Yeah. Oh my god. Subtitles. They had subtitles. That, they also uh, had sub- subtitles in Scots, which was great. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. everything was available. Mm-hmm. I loved that they actually had, like a lot of Scottish slang in there, like they Egypt. Did, yeah. It's the first time I've seen Walloper in a movie, which is always... <laughs> <laughs> which really cracked me yeah. up. So, yeah. Uh, yeah the the things I, I liked less was like, they were. he went up and he was like, whiskey, mm-hmm. leave the bottle. And I was like... That's not okay, a thing. There's like 800 thousand different types of whiskey mm-hmm. in Scotland. There's probably more whiskey than people in Scotland. Yeah. You're going to have to be more specific. Yeah, and like whiskey, leave the bottle is not a thing in Scotland. It's not legal. We don't do that. And I'm yeah. also pretty sure even if you're in a remote village, you don't do that. Um, yeah. One, it's not responsible drinking. Uh, two, it's illegal. It's very, very legal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of different kinds of whiskey. Um, I wouldn't say that they're heavy on the drinking in this film, but like, can I also just say that we don't have a lot of what I'm going to call them, like, trad sessions in so many pubs, at least not every night of the week. Like, that's more of a weekend thing. So the fact that they've walked into this pub on, like, a Wednesday evening and there's a full band playing is not strictly accurate, depending on where you are. But it's Christmas! Mm -hmm. Well, no, because they start doing them in, like, October. (laughs) Oh. Like, well, it's halloween <laughs> They've been listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, I did, like, I also really appreciated the fact that they paid a lot of attention to detail. I mean, they were filming in Edinburgh and around Scotland anyway, but, like, the fact that they had Lothian buses in there with an advert for her, like, latest book was great. I love that. Yeah. I think that was awesome. 
the taxis were accurate instead of actually like having black cabs kind of like london black cabs we yeah we have similar cabs in edinburgh like let's just get that yeah. off the bat there were si- yeah they were they're similar not the design. same yeah no um you There's, know ours you are painted quite ta- a lot yeah you yeah you can pay it's like 250 to 300 pounds to have your business advertised on a taxi like on the Holy outside shit. something like that yeah so you can pay for promotion so a lot of companies do that as well especially mm-hmm. if they do like booze or if they're very local or something like that they'll, yeah. they'll pay to be advertised on the outside of a taxi you can get an eye yeah. there's an eyebrow taxi that drives around sometimes mm-hmm. there's bright orange and all of that so yeah. you know it's not the classic black and normally if they are a taxi company they will have their number printed on the side yeah and i was looking at that actually because i was looking at what they had painted on the cab because i really wanted to be like would have been good if they changed the area code on the cab. Yeah, it was like 0131. <laughs> it's like, it's that's like, not oh, an Aberdeenshire area code. Yeah, right. Although also, did the taxi driver all the way from Edinburgh to Aberdeen? Because that's expensive. I know, expensive. I was like, that's going to cost a fortune. <laughs> I literally was thinking, I was like, holy shit, where is that? That's when I thought, oh, maybe she's just going to Dunbar, in which mm-hmm. case, yeah, it would be expensive, but it'd probably be like, you get on the bypass, you can do round, blah, 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 go through mm-hmm. slowly and like probably wouldn't be too bad. But it'd still be like yeah. 40, 50 quid. But then she's buying a castle. So what's 50 true. quid to her? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, actually, like, let's get on to that as well. Because like Bex and I are both creatives, artists, writers. Like we have we have many, many hats to wear. But So many hats. Sophie is, is a writer and I'm like, how the utter fuck does she have so much money? Like, I get it. She's got loads of bestsellers, blah, 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 whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, she's a writer. Yeah, we she's going to be a writer like JK Rowling is a writer. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the right? comparison they're doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, we do not support JK Rowling on this podcast. No. But, um, no. but like, just as a comparison, oh, it's like George R.R. R. Martin. Like, mm-hmm. these people must have so much money at this point. And it's really, it's that kind of thing where I know a lot of young kids are like, I want to be an author when I grow up mm-hmm. or whatever. And they think they're going to be really successful and make loads of money. Spoiler alert, 99.9% no. <laughs> of authors do not make billions and billions on their books they make no. a li- maybe a livable wage even like ian rankin's probably not mm-hmm. super loaded and he does a book every fucking year like yeah. Stephen king and stuff will probably earn a lot of money but you know the majority of authors you release a few books and you might get some money from it but it's not going to be enough to buy a bloody castle no i mean it did look like she had like eight or nine emma gale books in this series that mm-hmm. has obviously sold out and bestsellers and whatever do you have enough of an audience base to have a hate crew outside of a tv studio Mm -hmm. so maybe she is meant to be at that kind of like very very top level of yes and i I imagine that is exactly what it is um but what i did really enjoy is that her writing style slash journey felt very genuinely accurate to what a writing journey actually is like the fact that she's lying to her agent about the number of pages that she has which is zero um through the whole film and then like you know she's got her post-its up on the wall she's got like you know her desk all set out and everything and every writer does all of this stuff with the best of intentions and at the end of the day the best thing that we can like always do is just sit down and write the fucking thing just write the fucking thing like you know the fact that she's she is still at this exponential level and she's still going yeah i totally have those pages for you but like then it turns out she does not have the pages um yeah you know like accurate very accurate i really like that she was like (laughs) the well spoke to her and she was like yeah what did the well say like (laughs) 
Yes. I was like, yeah. I mean, because obviously when you write, because we both write poetry as well, and Mm -hmm. that's like a different kind of writing, but it's like, yeah. sometimes you look at some of the stuff that's like written, it's like, I I know that this is meant to be like (laughs) similes and metaphors and not literal and whatever, but like... Mm -hmm yeah sometimes you do have to look at your i mean everyone's gonna be their own worth critic that's just how it is but i am glad Mm -hmm. and i did think this was gonna happen as well when she was kind of she you know she's sophie brown because her husband's name was brown and obviously this was a a lot of this movie was about finding her own identity and that was separate Mm -hmm. from her relationship with the duke um which i really appreciated because a lot of the time it's like oh you Mm -hmm. you need a new identity get married um whereas this was like actually going back to her roots and going back Mm -hmm. to her heritage and looking at where her family grew up so it was like yeah uh, she she became sophie mcginty she wrote a different kind of novel that her agent wasn't Mm -hmm. too keen on her doing and Mm -hmm. i mean all of that was great i was like i would have read heart of a warrior that's yeah cool i mean honestly up my alley it could have just been Outlander, but hey, like you know, it's all good. Um, Can't but be yeah, right. <laughs> no, it was it was great. Like to be fair, I think because we've watched so many of these films now, like I am starting to get to the point where I'm like, oh, they've mentioned her maiden name. She's definitely going to have that by the end of the film. Yeah. Um, you know, the same with Angus. I was like, oh, okay, so he's not talking now, but he will by the end of the film. He absolutely has mm-hmm. to. And then the same with like, oh, they're obviously going to get together. There'll be some like drama and stuff in between the times. But yeah, yeah. even in its predictability, the the payoff of all of these moments was worth it. Like there's yeah. nothing about this that, felt forced it did feel like a natural progression to her going back to her maiden name to be inspired by the land that she's come like to call home and stuff as well like a place where she feels like she belongs and where she's seen um you know like even when and she finishes the heart of a warrior and it becomes a bestseller and then she goes back on to drew barrymore's show at the end of the film as well i know double drew barrymore what more could we want out of life um (laughs) but clearly all filmed the same day yeah like absolutely. just one day of Drew Marymore uh yeah we've got Drew today and today only and she's got two hours yeah. so let's get it done um yeah yeah so it was it was great like yeah it, it wasn't cheesy and it wasn't forced and it wasn't them getting engaged within a week of knowing each other like yeah. three months is a short period of time but having said that, I do feel like a middle-aged love story should progress faster than a younger one anyway. Because, like, at that point, these people are... You're running it, out like, of time. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're running out of time. Clock is really ticking on that one. But, um, no, they've, they've got, like, certain reassurances in their self. They're, like, certain things that they know yeah. about themselves. And they're like, I, I know what I want. I'm just done messing around. Like, let's just... Yeah crack on with it and and do our own thing um which is why i did feel like the conflict half an hour from the end was just completely unnecessary yeah yeah a hundred percent i agree i because so like we get to a certain point Mm -hmm. in this movie there's lots of whatever they're doing stuff they're getting ready for the ball blah 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 there's a lot of chemistry kind Mm -hmm. of from the get-go uh Mm -hmm. with this guy because he's a bit rude and whatever but like it's clear (laughs) that he fancies her you know he's like oh you did a dna test and your ancestors mary queen of scots like literally like (laughs) so funny yeah Um, but yeah so there's like Mm -hmm. a lot of humor there there's a lot of Mm -hmm. like clearly there's 
some there's some sexual tension there's some chemistry there um, mm-hmm. that develops over the time that they're there they kind of surprise each other and they learn more yeah. about each other and it endears them it's very classic like what you would expect from these kind of pl- these kind of this kind of movie um Mm-hmm. And then about half an hour before the end of the movie, they share a kiss, which yeah. anyone who has watched Christmas movies knows that they never kiss before the end of the movie. They have mm-hmm. almost kisses and that's the whole point of it. Mm-hmm. But they kiss, they go to bed together, mm-hmm. the door closes, very cla- fade to black, very classic. Mm-hmm. And there's half an hour left of this movie. Now, bo- I, I was sat there going, uh-uh, nope, oh no, oh dear, <laughs> oh no. Because that is what happens if it's half an hour before the end of a movie. Yeah, It means there's going to be some more conflict i was like mm-hmm. is her ex-husband gonna show up what's gonna happen is there gonna be like some other thing like mm-hmm. and i really really felt like there wasn't actually reason for them to have this falling out like yeah he is scared of commitment or whatever and mm-hmm. like she says to him well, why can't we stay together in this car like i will mm-hmm. buy the castle solve the money problems can we stay together? And yeah. he takes this as, oh, you're letting me be a guest in my own home that I live in and whatever. And he mm-hmm. just like acts like a proper dick about it. Like has a full like man moment where he just like can't get over it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't understand. I just don't feel like it no. was a good, yeah, it wasn't, it didn't really feel like a good enough reason. Like there needed to be something more substantial mm-hmm. like for why they fell out. Maybe what it could have been is that maybe she yeah. she had written some of the book and she had written this like new Emma Gale where like mm-hmm. Winston had come back or whatever and she wasn't really happy but she was just like pumping out some pages to get some stuff done and mm-hmm. he saw that this story was about Emma Gale going to Scotland to get over the death of Winston and finding something else and maybe mm-hmm. that he could have read that and been like oh I I'm just you're just here to write your book and blah blah yeah. blah and whatever like you're sharing personal and there could be like an anecdote in there that he had shared with her mm-hmm. that she had translated maybe that would have caused it obviously they would have changed some of the stuff and whatever but yeah, yeah. there just needed to be something where I felt like it was a more personal betrayal mm-hmm. for him to be that so angry to him to be yeah. that egregious and that sort of rude and mm-hmm. and spiteful to her do you know what I mean yeah 100% like it just that was the thing is like they had this very like steamy kiss and then they went to bed and then they woke up the next day and they were so bad at pretending they hadn't had sex. <laughs> like, they were so bad at it. Because mm-hmm. everybody was like, oh, mm-hmm, But like, For yeah, they, they were audio just... listeners, we were raising our eyebrows and looking at each other in a suggestive way. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were so bad at it. And then, no, do you know what? I totally agree with you. It was completely completely unnecessary conflict there was no high stakes it was a basic misunderstanding at this point in the film they'd learn how to communicate with each other it was completely unnecessary for it to break down in the way that it did because rationally again he should have known that that is not what she meant at all you know it was very obvious that she was like you shouldn't have to leave your home yes i have bought it but like you should stay and run it with me and also we're in love so what is the issue um You know, I did. But then, like, he'd had those odd little bits and moments anyway, because when they had their near kiss after they'd been at the pub the first time, and he was like, it's not a date. And I was like, yeah, she she understands that. It's not a date. But you're, you know, chemistry. It's okay if you want a baby kiss. And then they do this awkward, like, handshake hug thing. And as she's walking away with the dog who's abandoned his actual owner. Yeah. Yeah, the dog is like. Completely abandoned her. (laughs) 
He's like, I'm going to get more treats from her. Yeah. See you later. Um, so she's walking away and he shouts it again. And I'm like, you absolute moron. She knows it's just not man. a date. Just, just man. Just stop it. It's just such a man thing. Just to be like, <laughs> i got to get the final word. It's not a date. Uh, I said the stupid thing. Like, yeah. So dumb. And especially because they do have like these really nice romantic moments. Like the montage where it snows and she wraps that big shawl around her and they go out into the garden was so cute. Oh my God. And then he's teaching her how to Kaylee. Mm -hmm. Very, very sweet. So nice. So, so nice. And then they had their like horse riding moment because when Christmas kicks in in this film, it really kicks up a notch. And she's like, oh, we should go get a tree because it started snowing. And I'm like, what other time would you go get a tree other than the middle of a blizzard but sure um and this actually was before the frank and donatelli appeared so yeah. they were riding into the woods and i was like oh my god is there a fucking wolf, wolf. in these woods wolf. is wolf. she gonna fight off the wolf is that what's gonna happen like finally a woman in the netflix universe is gonna fight her own fight wolf. wolf oh my god <laughs> yes that's what i wanted that's what i'd hoped for yeah. um but yeah like it's their conflict at the end was unnecessary. I felt like what maybe would have been a little bit better is either very much the book stuff that you mentioned there or if something had gone wrong with the ball. Like, the power had gone out, they couldn't get it on, like, you know, yeah. they had a fight about what they should do. He's like, we have to cancel, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, no, we'll just light some candles, it'll be great. Yeah. Everyone will still come, it'll look really nice. Especially because all the decorations were out and everything. Um... But yeah, instead we had this fucking bullshit where he's like, yeah. oh, you're being so mean. Oh, you're not actually like, you don't care about me in the castle and stuff. Yeah, so. it could have been like, there's a, there's a whole load of things that it could have been. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it could have been that he didn't tell, like she didn't know the financial difficulties that the castle mm-hmm. was in. And then later, you know, fi- like found out the contract was, you know, he was trying to drive her out, which she yeah. knew. And that's the thing is like, they had all these things that could have been the conflict and they mm-hmm. chose to make her aware of it, which I yeah. love, obviously. I, I really think like, you know, she had the right amount of like wham and sass and, mm-hmm. and kind of aware with all that made her a much more relatable protagonist and a much mm-hmm. more relatable sort of like female lead in these movies than we normally get, which is great yeah. because normally they're like stupid and they don't talk and it's like, you you know, it, it problems yeah. that could have been caused by having a conversation, but like, you know, resolved by having a conversation. Mm-hmm. But so it felt, so it was very annoying that there was like this, you know, this arbitrary argument that the producers felt like they needed yeah. to have. And yeah, I, I just think there could have been, if they needed to have an argument, which I mm-hmm. mean, all they needed to do was just not have them make out for an extra half hour. Right. Like, <laughs> so, you know, mm-hmm. that that's, you don't need to have an, and then you don't need the additional conflict. Mm-hmm. You can have, you know, this, or, or have them be really drunk. They went to the yeah. thing, they drank loads of whiskey, they had a kiss, and now they're, like, awkward and they don't talk about it for, like, 30 minutes. Like, that's totally mm-hmm. fine. You could have done that. But I think it's, yeah. I don't yeah. know. That's my, that is my one gripe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a million other things I could say about this movie. And, you know, I want to talk about yeah. Hamish. I want to talk about all the cardigans. <laughs> I want to talk about Robbie Williams being Oh, there. my God, Yes. <laughs> Holy crap. I was like, what is the budget for this film? How have they got Robbie Williams on the soundtrack? Because that was it. I was sitting and I was like, 
this song's really familiar. And I was like, of course it's She's the One. Of course it is. What she's other melancholy would you have that then builds into big sweeping romance? Yeah. Um, oh my God. Yeah, because like kind of following this, so everything's broken down. Miles is having a, like a sad read of her books in his bed while Robbie Williams plays. And then eventually he goes to get her and she's like writing... She's trying to rewrite Emma Gale, isn't she? Instead of actually writing the book she wants to write. Um, yeah. And then she goes to open the window and he nails her in the face with a snowball because <laughs> he's trying to get her attention. Just like so, <laughs> so <good>. bad. <laughs> so good. I did yeah. think it was going to like... When she came down the stairs, I thought they were going to like movie magic her into being ready and not in her pajamas and robe. No, I'm glad they that didn't. she wasn't. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad she like came downstairs. She was snotty and whatever. She yeah. immediately throws a snowball at him. He like smiles at her. <laughs> she looks fucking furious. Yeah. I was like, yep. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, he finally admits. Be. Yeah, he finally <laughs> admits his feelings. He kind of loosely apologizes, but not really. But kind of does. Yeah. He he admits that he was wrong, and da, 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 da. she mm-hmm. calls him a dauber, which is fucking hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. And they they have a big smooch, and then they all go off to the party where they dance to Kaylee. She is inappropriate mm-hmm. footwear for Kaylee dancing, which I was Amazing. very impressed with. Yeah. I was like, yay! All the outfits are really good. Like mm-hmm. even the the costumes for all the knitters seem mm-hmm. like things that they would actually wear. Angus yeah. has a really nice fancy knitted jumper. He has baubles in his beard, which I love. Mm-hmm. Lexi shows up. She is appropriately dressed for this mm-hmm. kind of ball. I mean, that yeah. dress that she has that uh, Brooke Shields wears, that sort of black. The tartan one. Tartan, oh, satin, whatever thing. It's really lovely. It's the perfect mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it's not too princessy. It's very mm-hmm. kind of fancy and you know and, yeah. they, and i like that they yeah it's the duke of dunbar of dundunbar and the lady sophie and they mm-hmm. wait and they wait and she says mcginty and everyone cheers and they <laughs> they roast him as he's giving a toast and it's yeah. very scottish and there's lots of booze and dancing and a kaylee and i'm like yeah mm-hmm. sweet great no it was great fantastic yeah, it was it was a beautiful, nice round out. And I have to say this to you before we do our wrap up and stuff. Um, okay. The decorations were flawless. Absolutely flawless. Yeah. But at the start of all the Christmas, I have to ask, do those actors get paid less for being undecorated Christmas trees? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would yeah. say because it's less... Um, <laughs> it's it's not as heavy. The cost not as heavy, yeah. They don't have tinsel. And yeah. They- star on their head <laughs> they don't have to hold it together quite so much <laughs> don't shake the bells will jingle <laughs> yeah we could oh. go on about this film for so long yeah, this and the will terrible be green like... extensions that she had in yeah. her hair and him reading how the book being a power move and the fact that she mm-hmm. cycles and he's an environmentalist yeah all of these things but we can't because we're no. already over the time <laughs> Yeah, we're <laughs> like this will be like the longest episode we have this season by I think so. a country 100%. mile. But it was so enjoyable. This film did not disappoint. Like mm-hmm. kind of like Love Hard, um, which you can join us for next week. Um, yeah, you know, I thought it was gonna be possibly terrible, but it was not. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah. They did um, a good job. Well done, NPC. Yeah. And do you know what? Motion. I didn't hate I the portrayal of Scotland. I thought it was actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they did a good job. 
Yeah. I'm um, just putting that in again so uh, Jingle Boy has to put in the fireworks noises once again. Thanks. Cheers. He loves it. He does. He loves it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I, do you know what? I'm going to give this four and a half Vanessa Hudgens out of five. That's what I was going to give as well, yeah. I think. It's just mm-hmm. the conflict. It's just yeah. the random conflict at mm-hmm. the end. That's the only change I would make. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. we've already discussed the fixes we might do for that uh, yeah. anyway, so I don't need to fix the film. But yeah, I, I have a strong recommendation for this one. Mm-hmm. It's a great addition to the universe, even yeah. though I wish it had a few more references sprinkled in just for us. But it mm-hmm. was it was still enjoyable <laughs> nonetheless. Um, I hope yeah. that the Duke shows up at the next coronation with yes. shields looking oh. fit on his arm oh my god yes the dream the dream the dream it's all gonna come together there's gonna be some kind of arranged marriage but anyway mm-hmm. you can join us next week for love hard um another netflix original not made by mpca so please don't worry it's not gonna be another netflix universe episode but also um as this is going out on the 5th of december i would like to announce that we are going to be doing a seven days of christmas this year instead of 12 um just uh, (laughs) that that extra five episodes was really a lot guys it really was um so we're going to be kicking that off from the 17th of december and going until the 23rd so we hope you can join us for that entire week please do if you have any thoughts about um a castle for christmas you can tweet at us at jingle bells pod follow us on instagram you can tweet at me individually at bex poet if you want to tell me how wrong i am or send me pictures of that three-legged cow bauble uh, or find tell me where i can get a three-legged cow bauble uh, you or you know sign the, bex yeah. up for a whittling course that's also oh, fine oh oh my god <laughs> I don't have whittle time, your own but cows. also, oh, whittle my own cows. <laughs> that sounds like such an insult, but also like a, com- mm. yeah, she's one of those ladies who yeah, whittles her own cows. Um, follow Naomi and send her non-cow related things, uh, pictures of Kevin with his shirt off. Yes. Uh, anything that if you have thoughts about this uh, Netflix Christmas universe, tweet both of us, but you can find her, Naomi E-A-H, with various mm-hmm. underscores and other things. Um, but all of our links are in our link tree, which you can find on our podcast. And I think this is all of the plugs that I needed to do. Yes, and you know what? You can listen for bonus plugs after our outro music as well. Yay! Merry Yay! Christmas! <laughs> Merry Christmas! Merry Castle for Christmas! Santa, I've been good this year. Thank you for listening to Jingle Bells. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot and makes a huge difference. You can find us online at Jingle Bells Pod or listen along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or with your preferred podcast provider. None of them help.